So thanks for joining me for another edition of Tell Em Tip Told You. Today I want to spend some time talking about Jay-Z's 13th album. Um, I want to talk about all the think pieces that are popping up the day it's released and just my general attitudes about think pieces in general. And then I want to wrap it up by talking about um, creating sacred space in your house. So let's get started with Jay. Anybody who knows me knows I've been riding for Jay-Z for a very long time. Uh, I remember being in Tallahassee, heading to Vinyl Fever on Tuesdays, trying to get whatever he was dropping. Um, It just, his music has been a soundtrack for different seasons of my life. But I always flash back to those FAMU days, those Tallahassee days, the system, uh, house parties and things like that, being at the moon. I just love uh, the nostalgia that comes to me when I hear his voice. That being said, uh, I don't want to sound biased, but this is the truth album. It is exactly what I needed in exactly this moment because we get to hear on 444 Jay-Z be a grown ass man. And I appreciate that there, there is a need for our people, for our community to hear from a grown man who can admit his mistakes and his faults, figure out ways to invest in the community, uh, openly love people who love all kinds of people. It's just so many messages that I think our community needs in this moment to hear. And I'm going to do a side note here. One One of my favorite things about the album is the use of the old tracks, um, that are sampled on this new album. I'm big on intergenerational transfer of cultural wealth and cultural knowledge. And it ties together so well, you know, two different generations. Uh, on, on the story of OJ, we get to hear Nina Simone. And it just, oh my gosh. So hopefully new generations of folk who weren't familiar with, you know, some of these artists, <clears throat> can go back and reconnect to to music of you know of their parents and grandparents generations and I think it's a beautiful thing I'm so I'm so in love with that I'm so in love with speaking of intergenerational transmission of cultural wealth and knowledge you know when Harry Belafonte uh, critiqued Jay-Z for not investing in the black community uh, I was one of those people who was slightly bothered by the comment I don't You know, I would never disrespect anything that elder says uh, because he is the truth. But all humans make mistakes. And I was hoping uh, that Jay-Z responded in the way that he has. And that is to increase the visibility of his philanthropy, uh, to to invest more in the community, to be more vocal about why he does what he does. Uh, And the HBCU prof in me is very proud that his, his mother and he Um, are investing in our institutions. So if you don't know more about that, make sure you follow me on Facebook and I'll post a link to the story uh, about his HBCU, uh, his relationships with HBCUs rather. So I just wanted to big up that that album. I love it. I love it. And in some other spaces uh, on some other podcast series with some other folk, I'll be talking more about it, but I just had to, to, to tell you now that I, I'm in love. And if you come on here talking crazy, come in my box talking crazy about Jay-Z, I'm liable to cut you. You hear? 
Anyway, so the other thing that has come up, not just as a result of 444, but just some other things like Wonder Woman and, and some other things in pop culture. What up? I'm so irritated by the plethora of think pieces that pop up anytime anything in pop culture happens. Like, dude, can we give it more than a day? It takes more than a day, I think. This is just my humble opinion. It takes more than a day to think deeply about something, right? Before you offer your critical analysis, I'm going to need you to actually critically analyze something. And that doesn't happen in 15 minutes. Like, how are y'all doing this? I don't understand how you're how you can do it. I just don't understand how you can do it. How you can listen to the album and two hours later you have essay, an essay worth of ideas. I don't get it. I really, unless you got the leak, you know, maybe before. <clears throat> but most of us don't. And we come out with these half-ass processed ideas that because, and, and the drive is not to spark conversation. The drive is not to inform the community to empower the community the drive is so that you can be the first person to go viral about a thing that's some foolishness i think we need to think before we create think pieces it was a chick on my timeline who announced that it was trash and when people and then when someone asked her you know what's trash about jay-z doesn't say anything he's not talking about anything okay so obviously you didn't hear it Obviously, you rushed so quickly to Facebook to have some kind of controversial opinion so that people would think you were intellectually superior. Some type of intellectual masturbatory moment you wanted to have so that you could go viral because you didn't give that album two good listens before you typed that. Like, what are we doing? What, what, what kind of world is this? And I'm not saying that many of you aren't brilliant ideas, excuse me, brilliant writers. And I'm not saying that your ideas aren't valid. I'm saying, can you give it a little time? Real ideas take time to develop. And we're not in a race. We're not in a race. Slow down. We have time. Now, side note, Okot Pipitek, one of my favorite essays, has an article uh, called The Artist, The Ruler. In a collection of essays, also titled the artist the ruler so if you can get your hands on that get it it's hard to find but it's worth the read and his argument is it's not really politicians that control society it's not really um even religious leaders that control society it is the artist that controls society because the artist introduces ideas that the populace tends to follow right they can make ideas popular they can critique um, things in ways that, that politicians and religious leaders sometimes can't. So the artist is really the most powerful person in a society. I agree with that 100%. And because I agree with that, I think anytime we critique art, we have to do so very carefully, right? Because we're playing with power. We're playing with power. And I think that we owe it to ourselves and to our people to take our time. That's all I'm saying about that. That's not all I'm gonna say about that. I just, you know, I really, I'm disturbed by that. I, I, I have, um, I used to have this friend, right, and she was doing research on black kids. She ain't black, by the way. She was doing research on black kids, 
And for my taste, the study completed way too quickly for you to have any critical insight on who these students were beyond test numbers, beyond whatever data you thought you were collecting. You didn't take the time to see them as whole people. And because she rushed to judgment, it really made me question why she did the work that she did. Um, For me, it's all about intention. It's all about intention. And you can't rush. You can't rush. What is the the race for? Now, I'm not talking about people. I'm not trying to push you into procrastination. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying it has to take months. But I just don't believe. And again, this is my opinion. I hope to hear from people who, who make it that might be able to offer some insights in a different way, but I just don't see how you can think critically about something in less than an hour. I just, I don't know how you do it. I, you know, I consider myself a writer. Uh, I, I blogged about this the other day. I don't, I don't consider myself an author, but I am a writer. And I say that because I have to write things down to process information. I'm visual. I have to move things on the page. I have to manipulate the words. I have to to, to write down ideas and, and look for my thesis and look for my antithesis. And just it, it requires for rumination on my part to, to come up with some of the things I come up with. It's not a race. Deep thinking should never be a race. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be. Um, and then shit, some of the stuff I say, I'm a perfectionist. So like it's, it's killing me that the quality is podcast because I don't have the materials right now that I really need. And I'm learning audacity as I use it. So, you know, the, but I have to battle the perfectionist in me to put something out there to get the, the conversation rolling uh, because my my interest is in community engagement. Right having dialogue with you guys about these ideas and these things so my rush is not to become famous my rush is not to become viral if it happens it happens and that'll be spirit's will but I don't want idea because I I feel the way I feel about community and about the sacredness of words then I don't want to rush and I honestly even though writing is a talent of mine you know, I'm not going to downplay that. I think I'm a pretty good writer. Um, and I write, I can write relatively quickly. Right. Um, but why? If the ideas aren't fully established. I, I had Jay-Z's album on repeat almost all of yesterday. And I can't. Even right now, I wouldn't feel comfortable having some of the conversations about it that I think need to be had about it. Like I touched a little bit earlier on the intergenerational transfer of cultural wealth and knowledge. And I think there's a lot there to unpack, but I'm not ready yet because I want to hear some more and I want to think more about old Jay-Z versus new Jay-Z. And I want to think more about Lemonade's influence on this album. And I, I want to think more about I want to think more about these brothers creating these think pieces that are downplaying like okay so I read a couple of things today now I, I recorded this like last Sunday so you're hearing it a week later but 
Anyhow, I just, I don't, I, I, it's so, most of the critiques I'm reading of 444 that say, I don't understand the hype, it ain't that deep, are from brothers. And I'm wondering how much of it is, it comes from a place of being uncomfortable seeing someone else grow. Like y'all act like niggas can't change. People check. People can change. Now, now, let me say this. I'm of two minds of that. Because I think fundamentally who you are at your core remains fundamentally who you are at your core. If you're an asshole, you probably might turn into a better asshole, but you're still an asshole. Right? Fundamentally at your core, I don't think people change. However... I do believe people can grow. If we, uh, you know, if we look at Du Bois, Du Bois' ideas changed over time and much of the intelligence, much of the brilliant um, legacy he left us comes from his gained maturity. Like the talented Tim, the theory that most of us are familiar with from Du Bois was was in his younger life. Uh, Many of us need to know that he shifted that idea later in life to understand that all of us would play a role. He called it the guiding 100. That 100% of us had to play a role in the empowerment of black folk. That it wasn't going to be just this talented tip. So we see growth in our elders and our ancestors. Why can't we see growth in this brother? And why can't we see the beauty of black love in it? This man said he cheated. This man said he understands that the stress he put on his wife caused her to miscarry some seeds. Can we applaud that kind of transparency? I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I, I really don't get why brothers have a problem with it. Oh, he's not that big. Did we forget what he did? Did what? 20 years ago? I hope nobody is looking at my old family days judging me now. I'm still slightly ratchet, but, you know, I keep it hitting a lot better now. But I'm saying, I hope that people aren't judging each other based on who they were 20, 30 years ago. I think we should be allowed to grow. That's foolishness if you expect someone not to change. And can we learn to say, I'm sorry, and can we learn to forgive? We're so busy rushing to be controversial and fake deep that you can't applaud this man. I, oh my God, this, I, whatever. So let me move on to the other thing I wanted to cover before I run out of time. So creating a sacred space in your house. We hardly ever forget our charges for our devices, right? My kids, uh, we did an activity with them um, a week or so ago, uh, one of my colleagues, Professor Andre, did an activity with them when he had them pull out, you know, the most important things to them from their purses or their bags. And the number one thing was their cell phone. And the number two thing was their charger. Right? So many of us, we don't leave home without chargers unless we know we have one in the car, we have one in the office, we have one at the Bay's house. You know, we keep chargers around us because we want to make sure our devices operate at their full functionality right how many of us have spaces in our house to recharge or it might be a space in your office 
I'm not talking about a bed. You know, that's a, a that's a form of recharging. Yes, fundamentally, you need you know some good sleep to operate at full functionality, <clears throat> physically, emotionally, and I would argue spiritually. But in addition to that, you need to recharge emotionally, mentally, and spiritually purposefully. Right? There needs to be a space in your home or your office or in nature where you can go and be reminded of your own sacred divinity. Now that concept may shake some of you based upon your own religious affiliations. But let me assure you, and you can come fight me. You can tell everybody, tell them to have told you. You are sacred and you are divine. And sometimes you need a space to sit down and be reminded of that. Because you got to remind yourself. There are so many um, messages in today's society that tell us we're too big, we're too small, we're too dumb, we're too poor, we're too rich, we're too gay, we're too fat, we're too broke, whatever, to be valuable. And they tell us that so they can sell us some shit to make us feel valuable, but that's a side note. But you have to purposely and consciously combat these messages by reaffirming to yourself that you were created for a divine purpose by a divine being. Whether you call it God, Oludumare, Nyame, the universal force, Allah, whatever you choose, whatever you choose to call it, right? It put you here for a reason. And sometimes you got to sit down and remember that if the creator if the God of all took time to create you, it wasn't making a mistake. You need a space where you can go and have that quiet conversation with yourself. So, here are some little things you can do. Now, in my house, I have a couple of sacred spaces. I practice Lukumi, so I have a, um, a bovada. If you want to know more about bovadas, uh, send me an inbox. Um, but I have a bovada where I uh, commune with my spirit guides and protectors. I have an ancestral shrine um, where I go when I need to talk to my blood relatives. I got another place in the house I'm not really going to talk to you about. But that's where I go talk to my Congos. And that's where, uh, you know, when I when one of y'all to piss me off, I might go tell on you. Um, and then what I'm developing now, because those spaces primarily are spaces where I commune uh, with my spirits. <clears throat> but I wanted to be intentional and have a space where it's just me and my Ori, my higher self. Uh, my head, um, where it's just me. And so I'm taking one of my bedrooms and I'm tricking it out. So I got the fluffy pillows. I've got the baskets and the masks and the wind chimes and the basil, wink, wink. Um, the prodigioso, wink, wink. 
some other stuff in the room, some candles. I've got the water fountains. I got the brass incense burners for the Frankenmyrrh and the dragon's blood. I got my crystals. Some of my crystals are in there. Some of them are on the Bovida. Um, and I've got my journals. I've got my favorite tea mug. I've got, uh, I went and bought the softest throw that I could find. And I did all of that because I wanted to treat myself. And I wanted, um, I've got the ambient lighting, so I don't have to have the harsh overhead light if I'm journaling. But I wanted a space where I could close out everything else, feel safe, and just be me. And just love on me. And I might not get to spend hours in there every day, but I I will be intentional about spending at least seven minutes in there daily to just reset, right? We charge our phones. Let's start charging our emotional selves, our spiritual selves. And, and not, as I said, my other sacred spaces in the house are where I commune with forces that are external to me. Right? I charge into the Bovada to work with my spirit guides. I charge into the ancestral shrine to work with my Egu. I charge into the other space to work with my Congo. But I wanted a space where I could charge into myself. Right? And it doesn't have to be any, uh, it doesn't have to be religion. It doesn't have to be any of that. But it is a tapping into the divine sacred self that needs to occur for us to be fully functionally well I truly believe that I truly believe that and um, I want you to try it try it for seven days and then let me know how it works you can email me either at drtip at tellemtiptoldyou.com that's d-r-t-i-p at tellemtiptoldyou.com or you can email me at the prof at gmail.com. And let me know um, how creating your sacred space has worked out for you. If you have any questions about um, how to set those things up, how to do it, uh, let me know. And maybe I'll have another podcast where I talk more about establishing sacred spaces and what you can do to put some protective energy in there as well. That's what the basil is for. Um, it's what the prodigioso can be used for uh, and some other stuff in the room too I can tell you about uh, in another podcast or in another way anywho so I've enjoyed ranting to you today I hope you've enjoyed it I want you to have a wonderful day tell them to told you love you bye